Hello, microbe friends. I'm Dr. Justine Dees, and welcome to the Joyful Microbe Podcast. It's the show all about the microbes we encounter in our daily lives. Thank you so much for tuning in. I can't wait to share this show with you. Today, we're going to talk about microbiology at the K-12 level. Today, I'll be chatting with Jessica Popescu. She's a microbiology teacher at a high school in Missouri. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because the K-12 curriculum does not cover microbiology much at all. But as you know, on this podcast and on the Joyful Microbe, I love this area of science. I believe that it really matters to cover this in school and at the K-12 level. I think children need a complete understanding of the microorganisms that play roles in our health, like the microbiome and in diseases like germs. That way, they'll you know take these concepts into adulthood, ultimately keeping them healthier. Despite the lack of microbiology education in K-12, through some high schools, like Jessica's, offer entire microbiology classes, so that's really cool. So to learn more about what it's like teaching microbiology at the K-12 through level, I wanted to talk to Jessica today. And um, whether you're an educator, a microbiologist, or a science enthusiast, I think you'll find something interesting in this episode. Today, we're going to cover how to introduce students to microbiology and the different types of microbes, techniques for engaging students, how project-based classes help students experience science firsthand, and how microbiologists can help high school educators. And lastly, because you know I love sharing hands-on microbiology activities, and Jessica does these a lot with her class, she and I talk about several different activities that you can do with your high school students. Or, of course, you can enjoy, if even if you're not a teacher and you want to do these activities at home. And then we end with a classroom activity that I think you'll find interesting and kind of a unique way to get your students to do presentations in front of each other. So um, I hope you stay tuned to the end and enjoy the episode. So let's get on into the interview. Hi, Jessica. Thanks so much for coming on the Joyful Micro Podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm really excited to get to talk to you. Um, So you are a life sciences teacher at Blue Springs High School in Blue Springs, Missouri, and you teach microbiology, human body systems, and environmental science. And you've been using Winogradsky columns in your microbiology class, which is how we initially got in touch. So I'm really excited to talk to you about how you teach microbiology to your high school students. Yeah, so... Um, I think a big, hmm, so a big theme within my microbiology class is to really give students the chance to do science because a lot of the experience with science that they've had before my class is very test centered. You know, we, in Missouri, there is a required state test that students have to take. They have to take the biology and of course exam or EOC. So because it's been so test centered and, you know, they're, there's a lot of kids that have taken AP tests. There's EOCs with my human body systems class. My microbiology class is more like, here is your chance to experience science. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I tell them is there are no quizzes and no tests. And you kind of see all the class collectively <clears throat> has a big oh, sigh of relief. And then, but then I tell them, you know, it's all projects because mm-hmm. well, first of all, we've got to do sec- something. And second of all, essentially projects are science. So, um, it's, it's very different from anything they've experienced, but, uh, more often than not, they really enjoy it. That's awesome. And I feel like that's microbiology is the perfect subject for that. Um, I think out of the labs that I took in college, I remember microbiology being the most exciting and the funnest to actually do projects in and really made connections in my mind with 
the activities that we did and the experiments that we ran and um, in a different way than it felt like when I was in other classes and taking the labs. So it makes a lot of sense that microbiology kind of works well being project based. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, it, I only have a semester of it to teach microbiology, but you know, I, I feel like I could almost do a year because kind of going off of what you were saying about how it lends itself uh, to that project-based learning. There's so much that you can cover and there are so many good resources out there for it. Mm-hmm. So from what I understand, microbiology is not included in the K through 12 curriculum very much at all. Is that true? And um, how much is it covered in high school biology? It really isn't covered uh, at all, essentially. I think the biggest, the most that you go into it within a, a high school biology class is probably talking about the nutrient cycles. And, you know, mm. maybe with when you're talking about body systems and the immune system and, you know, you, you germs come up pretty often. But as far as what mm-hmm. those actual germs are, it's it's very you know, when I start teaching my class, it's very common for students to not know the difference between bacteria and viruses and just kind of thinking they're they're the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I teach sophomores through seniors, but it's a very common misconception. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, especially considering how important it is that we don't use antibiotics on viral infections and not to have be able to make that connection because you don't even realize that those are two different things is, is a pretty big deal and very, um, I think, important to understand going into, you know, just being an adult. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. and that's I focus on and I, I'm sure I'll go into this more, but that's why I, I really focus quite a bit on tying in epidemiology into my microbiology classroom. Mm. And this was even before the the pandemic was a thing that just kind of lended itself nicely towards my curriculum. It feels weird saying something positive about the pandemic, but (laughs) (laughs) but even before that was a thing, you know, epidemiology is something that kind of what you were saying, it, it, it lends it, it, it's something they're going to experience in their life. You know, everybody's going to get sick. And so what mm-hmm. is it that's making you sick? And then you can go into the question of, well, do all microbes make you sick? Absolutely not. You know, mm-hmm. and it just, it, it really is a big pathway to so many other topics that are important for everybody to know. Yeah. And I think most of the time we, the first thing we learn about microbiology quite often is just about germs that yeah. they make us sick. And and I don't even know if you would have the question in your mind if there are microbes that don't make you sick because you just kind of assume. I think that's the impression I was under when I was younger. So it's just, they're scary. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to know anything about them. Right. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's like it's interesting and I got fascinated with them um, when I was in college. But I think it's like I grew up just kind of being scared of germs, you know. Right. You're like, you got to wash your hands. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I think – um, gut health has become a lot more popular mm. and, and, you know, you see a lot more commercials for probiotics, so to speak. So some, yeah. I think they, in recent years have come across with a little bit more background knowledge, but yeah, still, still not a lot. <laughs> yeah. How prevalent are microbiology courses in high schools around the U.S.? Is it rare that you actually are teaching microbiology then? I think it's kind of dependent on the size of the school and what they can offer if they have mm-hmm. enough teaching staff to offer that sort of an elective. So the last I've taught at two different schools. I taught at a school in uh, Topeka, Kansas, and then where I'm at now in Blue Springs. And both of those have had microbiology for, I would say, over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've offered it as a course. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't have it in high school. I'm pretty sure my high school still doesn't teach it. I grew up in Nebraska. Uh, and I, I really think it's dependent on, on the size of the school, moreover, mm-hmm. what they can offer, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Well, what got you interested in teaching microbiology at the high school level? Yeah, so when I was student teaching, I I really the the biggest thing I think I picked up on is how well if the students were engaged, how much better their performance was. So I knew that I had to create, you know, my big unit to uh, teach something in biology and, you know, evaluate myself on that. And I wanted to do something that was fun. So I had recently read The Hot Zone, which, you know, that that I, I absolutely love that first chapter. And just, you know, if, if you're not familiar with the story, it's by Richard Preston. And um, a man gets sick and it goes through his symptoms and it's pretty graphic. And at the end, he just ends up like bleeding all over the floor of an emergency room. Hmm. Um, and it's really gory and high school kids love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, in order to, in order to teach the thing that was coming up kind of on the, uh, on the curriculum was genetics and that's something that's really hard, really abstract for them to understand. So what I decided to do was get them interested through microbiology. So what we started with is the students, the very first lesson that I did with this is that the students came in and the classroom is completely dark. I set up like a light behind me. So it was like that campfire ghost story-esque. <laughs> and I read them that first chapter and oh, that wow. is one of the few things that I still have done every single year since student mm. teaching um, <laughs> because it is so much fun. And I've kind of like evolved to where now I have like creepy music, like just like drums in the background, like really low drums to like kind of um, amp up the environment. And I have a slideshow yeah. in the background that shows like pictures. <laughs> so they come in and it's just this giant like biohazard sign. Um <laughs> And we read that, and then we after that we discuss it. And we talk about um, biosafety levels, and uh, you know different laboratories. And I used to talk about when I taught in Topeka, I talked about how they were putting in a biosafety level four uh, in Manhattan, Kansas. They're still building it um, today, and kind of talking about you know, like how do you feel about that? Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it's a bad idea? And we'd have a little bit of a debate over that. And what that would eventually lead into is I would have the students and I still have, I have them do this today is create their own pathogen. Um, and so they would use genetics to, uh, I, I would give them little gene sequences and then they have to transcribe and translate those gene sequences to figure out what, uh, what their pathogen is going to do. And then they design a story based on whatever they transcribe and translate whatever the protein synthesis results in. So they could, um, they'll get the little gene sequences. It's all kind of random what they get. And then it'll say, okay, they're going to have a virus that uh, has the, is, has a primary host in livestock or in birds or mm -hmm. something like that. And uh, it targets brain cells and it's a, it works off of a lytic cycle. And then they have to develop a story or a PSA kind of around that pathogen. So basically my whole goal in all of that was to trick them into liking protein synthesis. <laughs> <laughs> and at least get them I mean, interested in it. <laughs> that's so great. And it's so creative. I think that, wow, it's like you covered with that, um, creating this kind of like dramatic environment for them to enter into in the classroom, and then getting them involved with the story and creating a story and everything. That's so just, I think that's a great way to get them hooked. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's my goal. I, I trick them into liking science. It's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not a trick by the end of the class, but you know, to start off with it's, it's, you kind of got to get them into it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. I think that's really good. So, okay, so you're starting with pathogens then whenever you, is that their first kind of big introduction to microbiology? Um, that's to start them into talking about pathogens. Yes, my units are a little unconventional maybe. I, mm -hmm. I call them units because that's what makes sense to the students, but really it's, we can talk about whatever they want to. And yeah. And I do that in per on purpose, right? Like I want them to be invested in the in the classroom. So 
Yeah. You know, if they're super interested in a certain topic, we will stop and, and talk about that. Or if I have one student who's really interested in this idea, um, that's that's one of the fun things that's about talking or teaching this class is it, yeah. I, I can really go into it, what I want to. But to start off, we do, um, we get them in the lab mm-hmm. um, and looking at, well, actually, ooh, let me back up. To start out, the first, what I did this year, and I, I did this for the first time, is we start out with them um uh, kind of coloring and working with a phylogenetic tree. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, uh, Christine Mike is a science teacher in California and she came up with this beautiful phylogenetic tree that she had her science students um, kind of work through and identify, okay, here's what a phylum is versus a class order, all that kind of the organization mm-hmm. of it. So mm-hmm. she was super generous and, and kind of dispersed that information out there. So I, I've used her tree to then teach kids, here's where bacteria are hmm. in comparison to all of us. And well, all of us, us way over there. And, you know, we're, we're so small compared to everything <laughs> else. And, <laughs> um, and so that's really interesting for them because then they, it kind of puts it yeah. in perspective. Like, oh, here's what, and what the heck are archaea? And, you know, that, that just kind of builds up all these questions. Um, and then on the bottom left of this phylogenetic tree is just the word viruses with question marks all around it. And eventually <laughs> one student will be like, what does this mean? <laughs> and then I'll freak yeah. out and be like, that's an excellent question. And, um, and so then we'll, we'll talk about that as well. And we'll go, we'll do like kind of an introduction to bacteria and spend time talking mm-hmm. about bacteria. And then, you know, that works in the lab techniques of here's how to look at them under the microscope. Here's how to grow them on a plate. Here's what a gram stain is. Um, and then from there we go into viruses and we'll do an introduction to viruses. And that's when I start the pathogen um, stuff and start talking about the hot zone since that focuses on, you know, Marburg. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you do the hot zone a little bit later whenever you get into pathogens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh. And to kind of bridge those two ideas, I um, to kind of bridge going from bacteria to viral pathogens, as of course I have to incorporate a bacterial pathogen in there. So I have my students read um, a couple of sections out of the Ghost Map, um, okay, which is a book that talks about uh, cholera, the mm-hmm. cholera outbreak in London, and it once again is really gross and. <laughs> talks about like overflowing <laughs> cesspools and, you know, the rice water stools and all of that. So they get really mm-hmm. interested in that and just kind of like, ugh, why did these people live like that? And then we have a conversation of like, well, why did they, did they have any other choice, this type of thing? And, you know, it's, it, it's really, it's fun to branch out. Like, you know, you talk about the microbiology mm-hmm. and the actual bacterium that causes all of, uh, causes all of the chaos. And then you kind of mm-hmm. also have opportunities to talk about yeah, the people themselves. And um, mm-hmm. it, it's so easy to kind of like look at that and be like, Ugh, why did those people live like that? That's so gross. Mm. And then, you know, talk about the the social constructs of the time and um, kind of what was what was going on uh, at that moment, what, what the culture yeah. was like at that moment. Yeah, that's really neat. And I, I think it's a great idea to use those books to introduce the students to to um those particular diseases and, and then to, um, you know, a bacterial pathogen and a viral pathogen and using stories that way. It just seems like that's a really great way to get them interested. Yeah. Um, instead of having to come up with your own story, it's like there's are, there are great books out there that you can just read passages from. And, um, and so I think that's a great idea. It's really neat. Yeah. Thanks. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. I get really into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you talked about how you will get students connected to understanding pathogens, Mm -hmm. but do you have some examples of ways that you connect the students to the um, non-pathogenic or beneficial microbes in your class? Yeah. I mean, probably the best way I did that this year was through the Winogradsky Mm -hmm. columns. Um, (laughs) and I, I was really looking for a way to incorporate, you know, I don't want it to just be pathogen centered because then you mm-hmm. run the risk of, I, I didn't want my class to be just pathogen centered because then you run the risk of, oh, all microbes are bad, which you know, majority are not. <laughs> and so um, by far the majority are not. And so I really wanted to 
make sure I, I covered that. And so, um, I was really, that's, you know, that's kind of how, of course, how we ended up talking is I was really looking for a way to, uh, introduce just microbes on an observational level. Like they're really easy to see and then kind of talk about, um, what they are doing in those tiny little environments. So I'm not sure how much yeah. you want me to go into that. Cause I don't know if you've yeah. talked about it a lot. Well, I would like to hear how you talk about it with your class a little bit and, um, how you share it with them and how you found it helpful to yeah. create those with your class. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that my class gets from it is having an opportunity to make something and watch it change and practice observational skills and inquiry. Mm. Uh, because it's, you know, they'll, uh, a lot of times students will kind of, or not all students, but some will really on purpose not want to get involved in something because if they are involved in a project, then all of a sudden they, uh, you know, are responsible for it. And there's a responsibility that, that comes from that and sort of a pressure. And so sometimes you have students who really just don't want to do that at all. They don't want to do the whole school thing. They don't want to feel that responsibility. Um, and so when it comes times to set up these columns, I'll ask the students to bring in the necessary materials, the egg, a container, whatever. But because they are so easy to set up, if you have a student who's like, yeah, I didn't bring my stuff. I'm not going to do it type of thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, guess what, friend? I have all sorts of, we have the materials, we have the technology. And so um, once again, I, I kind of trick them into enjoying it. And so um, I, yeah. I save, I save like for, I used to do ecospheres in my ecology classroom. And so this is a really nice kind of transition into something more microbe focused. And so mm -hmm. I've saved like jam jars and pasta jars and stuff. So I'll throw one of those at them. And then I'll, it's really fun to just say, hey, go outside and get some mud. And they're like, well, from where? And I don't know. Go find mud. <laughs> go find yeah. it somewhere. And, <laughs> and so they, it's kind of fun to just see, you know, it's it takes them away from that sort of going through the motions of school and become a kid again and go find some dang mud and play in it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, neat. yeah, so they, they have a really good time putting it together. And then we observed it for probably three months. And, you know, at first it's kind of like, oh, it's, it's brown, whatever. It's not really doing much. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you have like spring break or a long weekend that comes along and they come back and all of a sudden <laughs> you hear, oh, what's this? Or yeah. <laughs> something exciting like that. That's neat. Yeah, and for anyone listening that hasn't heard of Winogradsky column, I'll link to there's I have a blog post about it and um but it's just a microbial ecosystem that you can create with mud and eggs and paper and water and you can add in other things and select for different microbes that can grow in the environment that you create and it's a clear container so then you get to see them create different colors and layers and um but it's, I just think like it, it, like you said, it's really simple to create. It's fun. And, um, and you learn a lot from it too, because if, if as you kind of read more about it, you find out about the different sections of the column that can select for certain organisms that are good at living in that part of the column. So, um, but yeah. So what did you, what kind of different things did you guys see in your columns that was exciting? So there was a, I had one who's sprouted a mushroom. That was pretty cool. <laughs> um, oh, neat. I think my favorite was when you started to see the purple bacteria, just because that purple mm. sulfur bacteria layer, just because it's really pretty. It's a really pretty yeah. like maroon color and it just kind of lets you know, oh my gosh, it's working. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have uh, a little mini greenhouse type setup in my room. And I had a couple who wanted to set oh, theirs nice. under there. And so to see how like vibrant green theirs turned from like different algal growth was really neat. Mm. But probably my favorite was I had a student who noticed um, like a whole bunch of little particles in the water portion of her jar. And mm. so we noticed that they were kind of swimming independently of the motion of the water. 
And mm. so we took some of them out. And I think I tagged you in this on, on Twitter. And it was just absolutely filled with paramecium. Like, just, they, <laughs> so many. And it wow. was, I mean, to the point where we could see it naked eye, like them That's kind of crazy. swimming around. Yeah. And it, it stayed that way, I think, up to the point where she took it home, which that was really cool, too. A bunch of their, the students. I have some that are over on my shelf, mm-hmm. but a lot of them wanted to take them home. Oh, I love that. And they do last a long time, so they can keep observing them for a while. Um, and then also I'll link to the you posted some videos, I think, of the paramecium that yes. you guys found. Yes. Yeah. Um. So are there any other hands-on projects that you've done besides Winogradsky columns? Um, I used to, I, I didn't get to do this as much this year because of um, pandemic kind of, you know, social distancing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But what I've liked to do in the past is had students, and I don't know if this is, this counts as hands-on, but kind of leading up to laboratory procedures, like streaking a plate is I have mm-hmm. students write their own protocols. So I, I get <laughs> I get really bored by saying like, here's the instructions, go follow them. So I have the students go find them themselves, which is really mm-hmm. fun to like get yeah. them to learn how to write uh, really good instructions because they'll come up and check them with me. And, you know, it might say something like uh, hold the inoculating loop in the fire. And I'll be like, okay, well, how long do I hold it for? Five minutes? And they'll be like, well, I don't know. And I was like, yeah. well, you better figure it out. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's pretty fun, kind of leading up to those laboratory procedures. So that's how I know they're ready to perform mm-hmm. those tasks is they've written a good enough procedure for themselves to follow. Yeah. Then it's kind of funny because if they have any questions – um, you know, up to a certain point, if they have any questions while actually doing those techniques, it's like, well, what do your instructions say? Oh yeah, I did write that. Didn't I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, that's, and- that's neat. I like that because <laughs> it is, it's, if you write out a protocol, you have to realize that there are lots of things that you don't even think about that, you know, how to do that other people would be like, oh no, how long, how much, you know, right. so precise. <laughs> right. And I will say they get super frustrated with me because they, they, they have to check it in multiple times before I'm like, okay, there it is. That's, that's good. Cause I'll, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll catch them on those little things. How long do you yeah. hold the loop in the fire for? How long do you streak <laughs> the plate for? I'm curious, do you have anything that you find your students often misunderstand in your microbiology class? Uh, how small, like what microbe means and how small microbes Mm. are is very Mm. hard for them. Just, it's so, especially like comparing a bacteria and a virus on Mm. like that size level is, is a really hard strategy or not strategy, but concept for them to understand. Um, and I try to show them there's a, there's a scale of the universe Hmm. Uh, simulation where it has like a little bar at the bottom of the screen and it like goes all the way up and all the way down to like the largest observable thing in the universe to the smallest. Yeah. And so I have them. Yeah. It's so cool. And it has like a link to that as well. Yes. Yeah. So that's, I have them look at that and try and identify, you know, where are the viruses on this and where are the, the bacteria Hmm. on this and how do they compare to us and how do they compare to, to other things and, um, protists on there as well, you know, shout out to protists because I've been talking about bacteria and viruses for a really long time. <laughs> um, but I mean, even so it's still, it's pretty ingrained that one, it's hard for them to acknowledge that those are two separate things, bacteria and viruses. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. cause we, we always like talk whenever we're you know, conversationally, we just tend to lump them together. And then two, to acknowledge like viruses are just, very, 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 like there's viruses, like the, probably the biggest idea that I tell them that gets this across is there are viruses that infect bacteria. <laughs> like mm. that's, that's how small they are. <laughs> there are viruses that it, when there's also viruses that infect other viruses and then your rules kind of go crazy from there. But um, it's, that's probably the hardest thing for them to understand is how, how small are microbes? Yeah. Yeah, the scale of it, especially because there you can't see most of them, and even if you could see them, they're 
they could be just mistaken for a, a speck of dirt or something. Because I right. think tardigrades are, some of them are big enough, I think, that you can barely, barely see them with the naked eye. Yeah. But then it's like you really don't even realize that's what you're seeing if you saw it in like a some water. Right. <laughs> But yeah, I do understand that. And and so because they are invisible or or just too small to see with the naked eye, it's it's hard to conceptualize. Right. And for a lot of them, seeing is believing. Like it and so it's mm. it's really hard to convince them of why these things matter when mm. they are that small, which is why I take that that um epidemiology route a lot, because then it's pretty obvious why they matter and why you need to learn about them. Um, yeah. And you mentioned tardigrades. That's another thing we did this year, too. I had a really nice colleague who let me borrow their dissecting scope and mm. look at uh, tardigrades that I got from the lichen on my back fence and kind of shared that with the student. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's another hands-on thing I do. Sorry, I'm realizing things. I love looking yeah. at pond water and creek water. Oh, love that. yeah. So that's, that's fun. Yeah, and so kind of to introduce when we start talking about size – and start practicing using the microscopes. I kind mm -hmm. of have different levels. Like they'll do that letter E activity, which if there's mm -hmm. any biology teachers listening, I'm sure they know what that is. But you'd look at um, <laughs> a letter E from like a newspaper on, under the microscope. And once they mm -hmm. like do that and zoom in on the 100 times objective, then they can look at a like slide of a blood smear because that's interesting. And then once they're able to do that, the next step is to have them observe creek water. Um, mm. and so they love looking at that. All of a sudden microbes become really interesting when you <laughs> can like see them zooming around. Oh, um, yeah. they love like finding different ones and what's this and what's this. And of course, Daphnia are super cool and ostracods are super fun to look at and all the little arthropods. And so then I borrowed a dissecting scope from a friend so we could look at tardigrades because I personally, up until this year, had never seen one under a microscope before. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm doing it this year. We're making it happen. Yeah. And uh, so we found um, a couple in class and I, I just spent majority of that day screaming about water bears. Um, <laughs> but kind of, <laughs> I got really excited. Um, and then going back like to our conversation on size, you know, that's when I would hear things like, um, I think I see a bacteria, you know, when they're on the, the four times objective on the microscope. And so that's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't, but I yeah. mean, there are some there, but you don't, but, and let's talk about yeah. why. And, and mm -hmm. so that's, that's kind of where, uh, it was hard for them to understand what does the four times objective mean? What does the hundred uh, times yeah. objective mean? And, um, why couldn't we see, why do we need that stain to see by bacteria? And yeah, that, that kind of started that conversation. Mm, yeah. Wow. It's like the more you talk about it, the more you realize like there's a lot to it to even get your, get it to where you can even see bacteria. And then when you talk about viruses, it's like, we can't even look at those under <laughs> like, a, a, you know, like a simple microscope that we would have in the classroom. So yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. But, um, I actually hadn't seen a tardigrade with my own eyes until I think it was last year. So it was, and it was really exciting. And I didn't believe that it would be as exciting as it was when it happened. Because I, I just was like, you know, everybody talks about seeing tardigrades. It seems overdone. And so I looked at a bunch of other things whenever I first got my own home microscope. But then... I was like, you know what? I have moss right in my front yard. I need to just go grab some, soak it in some water and look and see if I can find one. And I found several. It, and then I was just blown away seeing them. It's so exciting to see your own tardigrade. Yes. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's, it's like, like it's. It's like nothing you've experienced before. It's kind of like when you go and you travel and you see something that you've seen in pictures for so long. Yeah. And like going out west and seeing the national parks and yes. stuff. And you, you see those pictures and you're like, that's cool. And then you see it in person and you're like, that was life changing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's like seeing a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah just because here's this thing that I, we don't that is just the weirdest organism out there and 
it's actually yeah. a living thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and then your you're like, backyard. wow, you got backyard, like you yeah. said. Yeah. And they're all over the place. And you're just like, wow, I could go find one of these so easily. I mean, yes. and sometimes it's not easy. I've had times where I've picked some moss and found nothing and I was yeah. shocked. But <laughs> so for people who try and don't succeed, you should just try again and just find a new area with moss. <laughs> yes. I've never but, had luck with a regular microscope with tardigrades either. I've, I've only been able to find them under the dissecting scope. And I don't know if that's just oh, my really? own. Yeah. And I'm using the school microscopes. Mm-hmm. They might not. I don't know. I'm trying to find excuses versus <laughs> my own capabilities with the microscope. Hey, you never know. <laughs> um, but also with, you mentioned pond water with the students really enjoying that. I, um, I was over at a friend's house and she was like, oh, I have a pond. And she knew I had a microscope. She's like, do you want to collect some water? And I was like, oh, okay, sure. That's a best friend right there. I know. I was like, this is good. And um, so (laughs) she has two little boys and um, I asked one of them, do you want to collect the water? And he was like, sure. And then he went over and got it. So then that night I went home and I looked at the water under the microscope and sent the pictures to her. And she said that her son was proud as a peacock that he collected that water. (laughs) They were so excited to see the different microbes and stuff. So (laughs) So, for the past two years, maybe three I've had a microbiology class in the spring and I like to start out, like I do the pond water stuff fairly early. Um, And so for the spring semester, you know, you're trying to look at pond water in January. So I I will be like that really creepy person. Like there's just a car pulled over like by by a creek and I'll, you know, be in boots on, but like with a dress from school and tights and stuff. And then I'll come up and I'll just like rise out of the creek bed with this beaker full of nasty water. And then, oh, yeah. so I, know, I know like cars are passing and just like, what is this thing that is, what is happening here? But I know um, I have definitely felt the same way whenever I go to collect some water <laughs> from a lake or a pond or whenever I collected the mud for my Winograd ski column, I was like, they're going to wonder like, what is this girl with a shopping bag with like... <laughs> Because I collected it from a pond that was on a golf course, oh, and yes. it turned. And because I lived like on a golf course, so I just walked out, and um, it was just basically in my backyard. But I had to walk a ways down to find to get to the pond. But I just wondered, like, you know, what are <laughs> if they saw me with this bag and this Tupperware inside? They're gonna be like, what is this person doing? <laughs> Just Heather and so, some mud. Don't worry about it. Yeah, check out my blog. You'll see. <laughs> and that's when you hand them one of your stickers. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh, too funny. Um, I am curious though, as a microbiologist, is there anything that other microbiologists could do to help support high school microbiology educators? Yeah, I really like this question because. You know, I I feel like I have a pretty good background knowledge of microbiology, and I still feel a little overwhelmed at times with how to approach it in the classroom. Like, my confidence level isn't super high, um, especially with the the actual laboratory analysis of, of bacteria. Um, so I, I know I've mentioned this to you before, but something that I would really appreciate would be I don't know if like lists or a document of some sort saying, or or just, you know, yelling at me on Twitter, here are some really Mm. cool species to look at in the classroom. And here's what the materials you need to do it. Because Mm -hmm. like I I have nutrient agar and um, I used to let my students like go swab things and then swab the agar. But now that's, you know, don't do that because that can grow some really bad um, things unintentionally has kind of been the, mm. the general consensus there. So now I'm kind of stuck as far as what do I get? What species do I get? And what do they grow on? And what can I do from there? Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, well, that's definitely something I would like to keep in mind and try to create more resources like that. But I just was thinking about other, there are lots of microbiologists on Twitter, and I know that they care about supporting microbiology education at all levels. And so I think that's, you know, that's kind of what I was had in mind. And I think that's yeah. interesting that, you know, that that you, that kind of a resource would be helpful. So that's yes. Nice. Yeah. And kind of going along those lines too, like it's the, probably the most uh, rewarding interactions that I have had on social media have been ones such as this, like ones mm -hmm. where, you know, you just happen to tweet at a real life mm -hmm. scientist and they answer whatever, you know, whatever question that mm -hmm. you have, even if no matter how little and, and answer it in a way that, um, kind of lifts you up rather than, you know, don't waste my time type of thing. So just continuing to um, be willing, being willing to interact with high school teachers and with their classrooms is so mm. meaningful to us because we can then take that information or that interaction to the students and it makes it more real to them. You know, science, being a scientist seems so far away mm -hmm. for some of these kids. And so being able to connect with people like you really brings the experience into the classroom and makes it seem less um, intimidating mm -hmm. and a goal that they can actually accomplish. So I, I've oh, been, yeah. I really love Twitter because I've found so many <laughs> Um, amazing scientists that have been willing to like, you know, we've worked together on that Winogradsky column and that's been amazing. And I, I love the resources we've taken away from that and something I'll continue to use in my classroom. Um, and I've found people who um, have spoken to my students. I mean, just actually um, my students do a really cool microbiology museum every year. And I can kind of talk about that a little bit more if you want me to, but one of the, students was researching um, the plague and part of her research she needed to go and look up somebody who was currently working with the plague in some aspect and so she found um, an archaeologist who had recently found a mass grave of people who had died from the plague um, mm. in England and uh, by chance, I, I like I did a little bit of um, creeping on the internet. And I found his email and I sent him an email saying, "Hey, do you want to talk to our class on this date at this time?" And weirdly enough, he said yes. And so yeah. we all went into the library and he showed us this. this is Dr. Hugh Wilmot um, is his name, and he's on Twitter as well. And he's that he was fantastic. He showed this amazing presentation of this gravesite, like pictures from the gravesite and how they could tell it was plague and the, the DNA or the, the, the sequencing of the genetics to confirm it. And it was mind blowing. And it all started, you know, from the student just kind of, um, happen, <laughs> happening across some of his, um, excavation news. It was so cool, but wow. just kind of, sorry, going, I digress a little bit, but going back to like that original question, you know, being willing to, talk to us and talk mm. to our classes has is so valuable. And I think it is something that can really reach, um, like if you want more scientists and you want more people to care about science and, mm. um, you know, the, the obvious movements that are going to need to take place, um, within, within our society, um, this is a great starting point is talking to yeah. students. Yeah. Well, in one resource I really want to mention that um, is excellent for this and covers all areas of science is called Skype a Scientist. Have yes. you heard of that? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And <laughs> I wanted to mention that for anyone else who is a um, K through 12 educator in science, that it would be that's an awesome resource where you can sign up to actually talk to a scientist about any subject that um, you can think of pretty much and they will answer questions. Um, I've never done it before personally, but I, um, I follow the woman who is the, the founder, um, Sarah McNulty, yes. I think is her last name. I don't want to mispronounce mm -hmm. it. 
Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she is, um, she's a fun person to follow on Twitter, but she has done an excellent job of organizing that. And so I th- I'll definitely link to that for anyone who's not aware of it and wants to try to talk to a scientist in their classroom over Skype. Yeah. And it can be, it's a little, it can be a little intimidating at first just because like, you know, I, I would say go into it with um, like kind of a completely blank mindset. Like don't have an expectation of this is exactly who you're going to talk to um, mm. and because you're, you're going, they're kind of limited as to what they have available. I think it's become real, a lot more popular now, but um, just for example, we got paired with um, a, uh, Dr. Marie Ma- Ma- Mortreau, I think is how she says her last name, Dr. Marie Mortreau. But she did uh, research at Harvard um, with like rats in um, uh, environmental settings with Mars's gravity. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it didn't have a whole bunch to deal with what we were talking about at the moment. So I was a little bit hesitant. And then like... <laughs> having that conversation with her and with the students, once again, it doesn't matter if it's relevant or not. Just having a conversation Mm. with a real life scientist is incredible. Mm. Um, And she was amazing. And then it ended up making it super like uh, more relevant than, than I was expecting. It was so (laughs) cool. That's neat. Yeah. I love that. And if I explained it wrong, just feel free to correct me because I haven't done it before, like I said. Um, So is it that they kind of speak on their own topic and then the students can ask them whatever questions? Yeah. So uh, my experiences in the past is like you, you talk to, you email back and forth with the scientists and you kind of set that up yourself. So you can ask them like, hey, can you talk for 20 minutes on this topic? Or you can say, usually they're pretty open to will you talk for this for 20 minutes and then answer questions for the other 20 or something along those lines. Sometimes they'll request that your students come up with questions beforehand. Sometimes they'll provide some background information for you to tell your students. Hmm. Um, but so there, there is a discussion that goes on beforehand. So you can kind of um, prepare your students if you need to. Okay. Well, it's really neat. Is there um, anything that you want to share that you've learned overall from your work that's changed the way that you think about microbes in your daily life? Oh, man. That's a really good question. I think just, you know, the fact that they are small has nothing to do with their impact on us as hmm. a species. Um, and I, I know that, that you know this as a microbiologist and that I know this as a teacher, but... Um, so many of, and we've talked about this already, but so many of the, my students have just never really thought about them in general and um, just the impact that they have. I, I mean, you can, you can relate them to anything because of how widespread their impact is. Hmm. Um, and I find myself, you know, just in, in any conversation, I, can, I could relate it to microbes. I find myself talking about them often because of my hmm. experience that I've had with them in. In, in the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. It is really easy to draw them into a conversation if you want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking about food microbes. You're living through a pandemic mm. microbes. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're swimming in a lake mm. microbes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you have shared quite a few different neat hands-on activities that you've done with your class. And um, I'll link to the different, um, I have blog posts, I think, for most of the things that you've mentioned that I can link to to, um, so people can do those. But you also have an activity that you can do in the classroom and or um, homeschooling parents can do this. So why don't you share that? Yeah, so... I really like to start off, honestly, any science class this way, Um, not just microbiology, because such a big part of science is inquiry. And, you know, a lot of times students are coming from a setting where they are taught to, not taught, but they're expected to um, stay quiet and only ask relevant questions. And so it's really strict. And I kind of want them to break free from that. And, um, so to do that, you know, the, this is the first and second day of school. Um, I kind of 
tell them, give them a definition for microbiology and say what it is. And then I have them brainstorm uh, at least 20 questions, which 20 is a lot for them to come up with all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And so I I tell them brainstorm and I I put a timer down for five minutes and they just have to go. Um, And then at the end of that brainstorming session, I tell them, you know, if you have more questions, feel free to write them down, but here's what we're going to do. And I, I have a big whiteboard at the front of the class and I just ask them to tell me what their questions are. And I tell them like the more questions you provide for me to write up here, the easier that this activity is going to be for everyone. And I'll give you a little bonus, a surprise bonus for giving me the most questions just to kind of get them talking. Cause everybody's so shy on those, that first and second day. Well, like first and second month, but anyways, um, so <laughs> they start giving me questions and I just start writing on the board. And I think I have pictures of this on my Twitter somewhere, but it just gets filled with, with all these questions. And so I'll start kind of, I won't tell them, but I'll start putting the questions into categories, like questions based off of viruses, off of bacteria, off of like micro, microbiology careers, um, protists, uh, mm. microbiology and environmental science. And I'll start kind of categorizing the, the questions as I put them up there. And usually I have to like create categories on the fly because I'll ask things I didn't even think about. And then after I get a whole list of questions, I mean, that's usually day one right there. That's about as much as we get done in the first step period. But once we get that huge list of questions, then I tell the students, okay, you're going to pick one of these questions to research and do a presentation over, and you're going to have to present that to your classmates, which there's a big freak out about that because they hate presenting (laughs) with a passion. They hate it. Um, And so to kind of ease them into that, we do more of a like gallery walk style. I think that's how you'd call it um, of presentations where half of the class is like sitting um, ready to present. And the other half is watching the presentations and then they like rotate clockwise or whatever until they see everybody's and then they switch and they become the presenter. So that way they're only presenting to like one person at a time versus the whole entire class. And they usually, they do really good job with that. Um, but they pick one of those questions to research and I tell, you know, whoever the, the person is who volunteered the most questions gets to pick first. But then what's really fun is you have kids who are picking questions that other students offered up. And so those, you know, a lot of students feel a lot of pride when their, their question gets mm-hmm. picked because, you know, that's something they came up with and, um, mm-hmm. or they get angry because that question was stolen from them by somebody else. <laughs> um, but it's pretty fun. Um, so they, they each pick one of the questions and then they have to go and research it. Um, so they research an answer. Um, they tell me how it relates to whatever category I put it in. So for example, if um, their question was about viruses and they'd have to give me some background information on viruses. And then um, one of the, one of their slides and I give them like a pretty strict, like, or not strict, but uh, suggestions for how they should organize it. I said, one of their slides needs to be, why should I care about this? Uh, tell me mm. what this matters. Um, and so then they, they spend a day researching and then the next day they present. And when they're presenting, what I have the most fun with is like they rotate through and as they're on like the second to last or third to last person coming to watch their presentation, I'll stop them before they rotate again. And I'll say, okay, close your devices and give your presentation. And so then they have to give their presentation without looking at their computer at all. And basically they just have to talk about their subject. And, you know, they, they gripe and grumble about this and they're like, how am I going to do this? I don't know what it says, blah, blah, blah. And then they start talking and it's magical, absolutely (laughs) magical. You have kids talking about the genomes of different viruses. You'll have kids talking about prions and what they are. And, they're just talking about it. And and I have to stop them after they do this. So they'll give their presentation and I'll be like, okay, stop. Do you realize what you just did and how awesome Aww. it was? Because <laughs> it's That's amazing. Neat. Like the, the different conversations that are happening around the room. And it's probably the reason I like do this in all my science classes is because I think it's one of the ways they learn the most in the shortest amount of time. It is so mm. cool. Yeah. That's really neat. I love that. I think there are so many good things about that. It sounds like they get to take ownership and they can 
be proud of their questions and then they discover how much more they know than they realize. That's really cool. Yeah, that's it's I don't know, it's a fun way to get really proud of your students really quickly and see what they're capable mm. of. It's really awesome. Yeah. That's great. Do you have any favorite microbiology resources that you'd like to share that, uh, you know, maybe would be helpful for educators or just other, you know, microbiology enthusiasts? Yeah. So I have a couple of different things. So um, I have the game Pandemic, um, and I'm sure that a lot of people listening are familiar with that, but it's a super fun board game. Well, it's a little bit different when you're living through one. So it's <laughs> it's, um, it's fun, <laughs> but it took a little bit of a different turn this year with when playing that. It was kind of interesting. Oh, um, yeah. But it's, 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 really, it's a really cool game in the way that you're not playing against other people. It's you and your group versus the game, and you're basically mm. trying to control the pandemic. Um, whatever pandemic's taking place. So that's that's really fun, and that's how we kind of wrap up um, talking about pathogens uh, after they get done with a, a project, and we'll play that game for, for a day or two just um, because it is, it's really fun to get them to reflect on it as well. Um, and then... Uh, I, I mentioned this briefly, but watching the movie and the band played on, and it's also a book as well. Um, the movie, I found it on, on YouTube, but it's also available on like Amazon prime. Um, and I think on HBO as well, but it's, um, a movie about the 1980s HIV, uh, epidemic in the United States. It is incredible how many people, not just students, but how many people did not realize that this happened here. Hmm. Um, and it's really interesting uh, the, the amount of, I don't know, it really reflects a lot of topics going on today. Um, so that's, that's a really interesting watch. And it does a really good job of showing the role of an epidemiologist. And it, mm. it, it, it allows you to really have a lot of respect for the, the role that they play and um, what they do as professionals. Um, and so I, I talk a lot about epidemiology as well. And, and the reason for that is um, I had the opportunity to go to the CDC for a week in, I think, 2016, 2017, 2017, 2018. I don't remember when. But um, I did it for two years in a row. They have a program called um, Science Ambassador Program. And so you go and develop case study type lesson plans that they will put out on their website. Um, so the CDC, if you are interested in any case studies and there are many related to microbes, but there's also some just over health in general. Um, and they're available for free. uh, These lesson plans are, um, but you go for a week and you develop these lesson plans and then, you know, if they're, um, up to a certain level, they get published. So I do have one published lesson plan that I worked on with the group, Mm. um, there. So that's pretty cool. And then, um, the next year I went and like helped like lead the group of teachers coming up with the lesson plan, but it's, it's super, uh, just going to the CDC and walking around there. It was, it was like meeting (laughs) your favorite celebrity. It it was amazing. (laughs) So that was really interesting. Um, and so I, I use some of those case studies, Mm-hmm. Um, I have one of the activities I have my students do is they come up with their own case study uh, featuring a pathogen of their choice. Um, and then we watch and the band played on so they can kind of see the role mm-hmm. of an epidemiologist. Um, yeah, well, those are really neat. And we'll link to all of those resources. That's excellent. Well, I really appreciate your time. Um, why don't you tell everyone where they can find, follow and connect with you? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. Twitter is probably the best way. So um, I am on Twitter uh, at Mrs. Popescu, and that's P-O-P-E-S-C-U, bio. So at Mrs. Popescu, bio. Um, and I tweet at Justine quite a bit, so I'm, <laughs> I can't. Awesome. You find me on there, too, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun and 
I've learned a lot about, I've gotten to really understand how things work in your classroom a little bit better. And, um, and then I think this is also going to provide a lot of ideas, fun things that people can do either in the classroom or even at home to enjoy microbiology and learn more about microbiology. So this has been really awesome. Thank you. Oh, not a problem. And yet for anybody who's listening, I love collaborating and I, I love it. So if you have, if there's anything you could use me for, or need any of the th- any of the things that I talked about, um, on here, if you're interested in how I do them in my classroom, I would be more than willing to share, um, anything that I have available. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you, Justine. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Joyful Microbe Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you'd like to help others who love microbes to find the podcast, then please leave a rating and a review for the show. And tell a friend. To learn more about the Joyful Microbe, head on over to joyfulmicrobe.com where you will find the show notes and all the links and resources mentioned. If you love Joyful Microbe and would like to support the show, you can do so by leaving a virtual tip through coffee. The link is in the show notes and on joyfulmicrobe.com at the bottom of the page. Thanks again, microbe friends. Talk to you next time.